0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatch Bend Apostolic Church.
1: The Spirit of God touch your heart and encourage you along the way. We're very excited to have Brother and Sister Branos with us and their family, and we're looking forward to what they're going to share with us this morning. I. I um, know that this is the second year in a row that we have begun the year, our Sundays with a mission service, and um, our theme has been missions first, and so I think that's very very fitting that on this first Sunday of the year that we have a mission service and i I'm thankful that they're with us, and I hope that they feel at home already and uh, I want them to make their uh, make their time here with us count. I want it to be not just a a time that they give to us, we certainly want to receive, but I also hope that there's something in this congregation by way of spiritual attribute that we can give back to them and encourage them along the way. You know, everybody can't run the race. Many people just stand along the side, and they're encouragers, and so we can't all go, but we can support and give in some way, whether that is finances or prayer or whatever it may be. And so today, we want to rally with them and let them know that they're not alone in this journey, but we are with them. We're going to stand with them and pray with them and encourage them as they do their, the work that God has established for them in their lives. Would you stand in honor to our guest today? Amen. This is their first time to be behind this pulpit, but I trust that he will feel at home. Would you make them welcome with a hand clap today?
2: Good morning. You can sit down if you'd like. Well, I want to say um, what a privilege it is for us to be with you at uh, Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We appreciate the invitation to come. Thank you, Brother Boyd, for having us come. And um, we're we're very uh, uh, we're very honored to be here with you. Thank you, Church. For sharing uh, this worship service with us this this time Sunday morning, your first Sunday morning of the year. Thank you, we really appreciate it. Now, <clears throat> being uh, a missionary to France, it's my duty to speak French in every service. I I have to do that. Um, it's it's written into my contract. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, but I have a confession to make. Uh, that speaking French to uh, uh, an English-speaking congregation always makes me feel awkward. Uh, well, usually when I speak, it's to communicate with someone. And, uh, and so if I speak in a different language, I, I know I'm not being understood. That, that feels kind of strange. But I, I've, you'll be happy to know I found a solution to it, to the awkwardness that I feel. And that is to share the awkwardness with all of you. And uh, and so to do that, I'm I'm going to teach you a song this morning. We're going to sing together. Uh, it's um it's a very simple song, a very simple idea behind the song. It simply it's a course that we sing in the churches in France that says, "In you, Jesus, I've put all my trust." And uh, I, I really like that course because when you think about it, that boils down to its essential: what a Christian is. It's someone that's put all of their trust in Jesus Christ. So here are the words, if you'll just repeat them after me. En toi, toi. Jésus, that should be familiar to you. Uh, J'ai mis toute ma foi. foi. All right. En toi, toi. Jésus, j'ai mis toute ma foi.
3: Very good. This is how it goes. En toi, Jésus, j'ai mis toute ma foi. En toi, Jésus, j'ai mis toute ma foi. En toi. Jésus, j'ai toute ma foi. Okay, so I've got the microphone.
2: That makes me louder than everybody else. And, uh, and I understand that. <clears throat> but I'm not hearing very much of you right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, so something tells me maybe you're not in the full swing of things yet. Uh, the, the, my main clue is your lips aren't moving. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to try that again.
3: En toi, Jésus, j'ai mis toute ma foi. En toi, Jésus. J'ai mis toute ma foi en toi Jésus J'ai mis toute ma foi once more en toi Jésus J'ai mis toute ma foi En toi Jésus j'ai mis toute ma foi en toi Jésus j'ai mis toute ma foi Amen
2: give yourselves a hand Amen and I hope that's what you've done, and you've put all of your trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would start the presentation. Now, um, you'll notice from the picture that there are a few less of us here than appear there. That's because our, our two boys are in college in St. Louis, Missouri. And they're not traveling with us on this deputation. But my wife and daughter are here with me. I'd like for them to introduce themselves.
4: Hello, my name is Morgan. I'm seventeen and I'd like to take a minute to talk about the table we have set up in the back. We have a few books that you can flip through, a cookbook that we you can get ideas from, and a guest book that we'd love for you to sign. God bless. Well, we are glad to be here with you this morning, and I have so enjoyed the presence of the Lord that we have felt. I'm so glad you guys didn't get that memo. You know, there's a memo, I think, that was circulated somewhere that said, Sunday morning must be very quiet, you know, don't wake people up. I'm glad you guys didn't get that memo because we have really enjoyed feeling the presence of the Lord here and worshiping with you. And I want to join Morgan in reminding you to be sure you do sign that guest book. We go back through that later and take that opportunity to remember the places that we visited, the people that we met, and to pray for you. So go ahead and put your name in there for us. And you're going to see the board there talking about training. And you guys are the first church that we are presenting our training project to. Um, As we travel, in addition to our monthly partners, we raise funds for different activities that we're going to be doing on the field. And starting this morning, we are starting to raise funds for our training projects. Training includes um, our Sunday School Department working with the teachers and helping develop them so that they can train the children training involves ministry training which my husband is uh, heavily involved with on the field to help our ministers develop their leadership so that they can in turn train more people in their church and training is in main part our bible school program where we work to train future leaders that will then go out and train others and you see how that multiplies and divides we train and then they train and so we are working to raise the funds for the training things that we're going to be working on now if you have forty thousand dollars today then you will also be the last church that we present our (laughs) training project to But if you're like me and you don't happen to have $40,000, but you would still like to participate in helping us with our training project, we divided our board up into $20 squares, or actually circles, $20 circles. For every $20 that you donate, you sign your name in one of the circles on the board, and that way we'll know that, hey, this person, This person helped us to train the workers in France. This person is involved in Sunday school in France. This person is involved in helping us train the ministry in France. So for every $20 you'll sign the square a $20 donation. You'll sign one square a $100 donation. You would sign five squares. And that will help us to all work together to train. God bless you.
2: Amen. Amen. And uh, I, I, i would like to say uh, thank you for everything that you do for missions, uh, whether it is through uh, your regular missions giving, whether it is through Sheaves for Christ, Mother's Memorial, whatever you do. I, I want to say thank you because it, it's a, you're a very important part of the work of missions around the world. And uh, although we've never been here, you are our partners, and we're very excited about that. We, it, it's very nice to get to, to meet you face to face. Uh, And, and again, just to express our gratitude for all of that, we're we're very, very grateful. And um, I want to kind of go in for a moment what happens when you do that, what happens when you give to missions. Uh, There's a principle that I found in in Scripture uh, that deals with missions giving. It's in 3 John, verses 5 through 8. Here, the Apostle John is writing to a brother named Gaius, and uh, in, in these few words, he's going to describe a very important dynamic that takes place within the church. He writes, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. And that word fellow helpers, that's the dynamic that I want to highlight. I'd like to read that to you again from the Amplified Bible. It says it like this. Beloved, it is a fine and faithful work that you are doing when you give any service to the Christian brethren, and especially when they are strangers. They have testified before the church of your love and friendship. You will do well to forward them on their journey, and you will please do so in a way worthy of God's service. For these traveling missionaries have gone out for the name's sake, for his sake, and are accepting nothing from the Gentiles, the heathen, the non-Israelites. So we ourselves ought to support such people to welcome and provide for them, in order that we may be fellow workers in the truth, the whole gospel, and cooperate with its teachers. This reality right here is why I consider it such a privilege to do what I'm doing, to deputize. We travel from church to church, uh, raising our budget, sharing our burden and vision for the nation of France. I, 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 I think that that is a privilege because as we do that, um, I get to make new co-workers, new fellow helpers in the work of God, in the mission. I get to invite people into missions through what I do. Your, your support is important, but understand this, you're more than a supporter. You're, you're more than just a bystander external to the process of missions. According to what the Apostle John says, you are an integral part of what happens on the field. So don't ever feel like you're just a mission supporter. Don't ever feel like you're a bystander to what's going on. I understand that you're an integral part. What, and, and understand that what you're doing, it's been a part of the church. This is how the church has done missions, all the way back to the Apostles. So I, I, I'm, I'm just very grateful for everything that you do for missions. And, and if you remember one thing, let it be this, that when you give to missions, you're, you're much more than a supporter. You are our fellow worker. You are our coworkers, and we deeply appreciate that. Now, I'd like to take a few moments to tell you a little bit of my story, and I'll start with the fact that I actually grew up in France. Uh, this picture will actually help to illustrate kind of what my life looked like. Uh, I, I grew up in France. I spent 11 years of my youth there, and that is because my dad's French. My dad was here in the U.S. working and studying here, met my mom. And so when I was three years old, our family moved to France for the first time. Now, moving there that young meant that I actually started school over there. So the first language I learned to read and write in was actually French. But uh, through the years, my family moved back and forth between the two countries. Actually, by the time I was 17, we had made six transatlantic moves. Um, uh, Because of that, I went went through two different school systems. um, In in France, I went to French schools. Here in the U.S., I went to American schools. And uh, thanks to that, as a kid, I could not spell in two different languages. Um, I... (laughs) But, but everything about my life has been, has been marked by this duality. I actually, I was baptized in Jesus' name in a church in McHenry, Illinois. I was filled with the Holy Ghost in a house church in southern France. So my life has been marked with this duality. Uh, growing up in two different, uh, on two different continents, in two different countries, growing up in two different cultures, both cultures have become a part of who I am, French culture and American culture. I, I'm a French-American. Basically, I hate myself. Um, <laughs> but my my family moved back to the States when I was 17 years old. This is where I graduated from high school, and uh, from there I went to Texas Bible College. That's where I met my wife Renee, and uh, we were married while I was still in school. She had already graduated. Um, that's also where we felt our call to, uh, to missions in France. And uh, that didn't happen right out of Bible college. We did a lot of different things in ministry. But in 2004, the Global Missions Division appointed us as missionaries to France. Uh, we deputized following that. And then uh, we arrived in France in 2009 to begin serving our first term. And we've now completed that first term. And uh, during this term, we serve mostly... Uh, we spent most of our time in two locations, uh, Melun, uh, where the headquarters church is. This is right outside. It's just south and east of Paris. And then in Châtellerault, where we were furlough replacements for the Brochu family. Uh, this, this meant serving these two locations for us meant uh, our, our, our duties basically were uh, translating, uh, pastoring, teaching in the Bible school, Uh, planning and implementing ministerial training, teaching Sunday school, home Bible studies, and pretty much anything else that's involved in in a church doing its work. Uh, And we're very grateful to have been a part of what God is doing in France over the past few years. I'd like to give you kind of a snapshot of where the church is in France. Uh, In 2009, when we arrived, there were 12 churches in the nation, as of right now, we have 20 churches and preaching points in France, and so we're very excited about what God is doing. One one really neat part of that is that at the beginning of 2012, we did not have a church in Paris. Like I said, the headquarters church is just outside, to the south and east of Paris. We did not have a church inside Paris, and and this was uh, uh, one of the headquarters ministers was burdened by this he was praying about it, and he went and talked to Brother Novaki, who is the president of the work in France. And he wanted to put together some kind of prayer project because, uh, for Paris because it didn't have a church. And so what they came up with is something that I call a prayer siege. The reason I call it that, there is a loop that goes all around uh, the Paris center, uh, and uh, that loop has 33 gates all around it or, or exits. And what was organized is we filled two buses full of apostolics and we dropped off small teams at every exit to pray for the city of Paris, completely surrounding it. It was absolutely an amazing prayer meeting to be a part of. Uh, our, our stop, our exit we were at, it was just me and my wife praying. But we, as we prayed, we just felt this incredible connection to everyone as we had, we had uh, uh, the, the city encircled. We were all the way around it, and and as we prayed, we kind of felt like we were erecting this wall of prayer all around the city. It was absolutely incredible. We got back to the church about 2 a.m., and just to listen to the testimonies that people had of that night, Uh, just the, the things that they envisioned as they prayed, the things that they were feeling as they prayed, it was absolutely incredible. It was an amazing prayer meeting to be a part of. It was it, it was electrifying to be there and to hear the testimonies that came out of it. It was absolutely awesome. But what's even more awesome than that is that we now have three churches operating in the Paris area. Um, we're very, very excited about that, very excited about what God is doing. What What's really neat is we got to experience what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3.9 where he says that we are laborers together with God. We're laborers together with God. Because as we went forward, we, the first thing we did was we, we sought the face of God. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. <clears throat> I've thought about that phrase in the past. And uh, the, usually how I, I, I've applied it is uh, laborers together with God. Okay, God, here's my project. Now come and bless and anoint my project. That's, that's working with God, right? God come and do this. God I'm convinced that what Paul is talking about is actually finding what God is doing. Finding what God is doing and joining ourselves to that. God is at work all around us. God is doing stuff. God is touching lives all around us. And I think uh, as apostolics, as people that are led by the Spirit of God, it is our job to find out where God is doing that and join ourselves to that. Now, you know what? God is very gracious, and, uh, and he does bless and anoint our projects. He does, he does come through a lot of times. But, but how much better is it when we get to experience being laborers together with him because we're joining him in what he's doing. I, I really think that's where our hearts and minds should be. God, where are you at work? That's why we start by seeking his face. We start by seeking him, say, God, what are you doing? How do I join it? So we're, we're very excited about how the kingdom of God is growing in France. Um, at the same time, we recognize that we're charged with reaching an entire nation, a nation of 65 million people, 65 million people. Now, now if you think about that, 65 million people, 20 churches, that means for every church and preaching point, and I, I want to stress that this includes preaching points. each is responsible for about 3.3 million people. 3.3 million. That, that's, a, that's a big burden to carry. In contrast to that, do you it, it, try to think about where, where do you think that ratio is in the United States? In the U.S., we have one UPC church for approximately every 80,000 people. 80,000, 3.3 million. This means that there are over 40 times less churches in France. 40 times less apostolic churches in France than in the United States. France is one, is actually one of our most unreached nations that we actually have workers in. And just to give you the, uh, uh, an aspect of the state of mind of France, I, I found these, uh, I found a couple quotes from an article that was on the website, The Local. It's, it's French, basically French news in, uh, in English. This was published on September 10th, 2013. Uh, here's the first quote. Every day in France, an average of 21 men and 8 women take their own lives. And around 700 attempt it. Every day. Um, Alarming figures released this week revealed that France has a much higher suicide rate than the European average and double that of the UK and Spain. Now, I'm not saying that there's a cause and effect relationship between how unreached it is and these, and these realities, but it does tell me one thing. It tells me that we're looking at a people that has lost hope. That's what we're faced with. And, uh, and, and that's what we bring. That's what we carry with us is hope. Uh, as we consider unreached areas in France, none stands out to me like the southeast. We actually currently have no French speaking church in the southeast quadrant of the nation. We have no French-speaking church. We do have one apostolic, uh, we do have one Filipino work. It's a small work, uh, but very faithful group of Filipino brothers and sisters. They meet regularly to pray together, to share the word, to fellowship, to worship together, and we're very, very grateful for them. Uh, I, actually, I believe that they're part of what God is doing in this region. They're part of what God is doing in the Southeast. Um, Their their prayers are irrigating this region right now. But they're a a Filipino congregation. As a matter of fact, the adults in this congregation, uh, their French is very limited. We have no French-speaking apostolic church in all of the Southeast. Now, realize, this is a region that that covers 13 million people. 13 million people that do not have a church in their language. Basically, they have no access to apostolic truth. 13 million people. And so as we consider our second term, our vision is to open up this region by planting churches in in Nice Metro. Uh, Missiologists tell us, that church planting is the most effective way of reaching new people with the gospel. And so we want to go to this metro area of 1.1 million people to begin to plant churches. And as we go, as we do that, first of all, we want to go in prayer. And uh, you, uh, of course, first of all, we want to seek the face of God. We want to, we want to um, connect with God with where he's working, what he's doing. And I believe God is touching people in Nice Metro right now. He's working on lives. Um, we, we actually conducted some prayer walks. We were praying for this area, continue to, but we actually conducted some prayer walks in Nice uh, back in 2011. And, uh, and and we just are going forward uh, in, in prayer. First of all, go in prayer. Secondly, we want to go in service. Uh, because when you serve a community, you integrate into that community. You've probably experienced this. If you go up to someone cold, you get a certain kind of reception. They're, they're very closed, defensive, maybe even suspicious. Why is this person talking to me? I've never seen them before. You, you get, you'll get very little time, very little access, really. But what happens when you go towards someone in service? You're helping them. You're doing something for them. You get a totally different kind of access. In in a few moments, they they may completely open up and start sharing their their life with you, sharing their their struggles, their trials. So we want to go in service because when you serve a community, you integrate into that community. And that takes a lot of different forms. My wife and I have been researching different organizations that we might volunteer with that will put us on a regular basis, put us in contact with people that are in need. Um, but, but it can be simple stuff. You know, passing out, uh, passing out water bottles, cold water bottles at a city parade. Um, it, it can be something as simple as the Christian virtue of hospitality where you just have someone unchurched over, uh, over to your home dinner for a meal not 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 so that you can quote acts 238 to them on the doorstep not not so that you can do a, a a new birth bible study before you serve dessert at the end but just so that you could begin to share life with that person that's unchurched so that someday down the road when, when they have when they experience spiritual hunger when they experience that thirst for something more You're already in their lives. You're already there. You can share the gospel with them. It may not not even be dinner. Maybe it's just having somebody out for coffee. Let's go have a cup of coffee together. Just to begin sharing your life. You know, I I think we understand how to be stewards of our time. I think we understand how to be stewards of our money. What about being stewards of, of our hearts? Stewards of our time? And just making room for someone unchurched in our lives, we want to go in service. You know, the, the, this is not. This is something that should be natural to us. Um, Matthew five sixteen, the Lord tells the disciples, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." He's saying service is good works. What is that? That gets good deeds that's acts of service for your neighbors, for the people around you. And he's saying that when you do this, your acts of service will cause people to glorify the Father. You know what he's saying? Your service is evangelism. You know, we're always, we're, and there's nothing, I'm not, I'm not putting this down. But you, you always hear about new evangelism techniques and new evangel. This is the one that the Lord gave us. Your service is evangelism. It is not a precursor to evangelism. It is evangelism. Your service is evangelism. And, and if we ever doubt how important service is, think about what the Lord taught his disciples. Remember, the, 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 they, were going from, they were traveling one place to another. The disciples were arguing on the road. What were they arguing about? They were trying to figure out who among them was the best. Who's the greatest disciple? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting together with a few church people and, uh, and just getting together and say, "Which, Okay, which one among us, who's the best Christian? Let's just talk about that at lunch, at the restaurant. Who, who's the best Christian among us? That's what the disciples were doing. They're, they're trying to figure out who is the greatest disciple. And, and the Lord asked them, what are you guys talking about? They don't even want to tell them. They're, they're too ashamed to tell them, oh, we're trying to figure out who the best is. But the Lord knew their hearts, of course. And, and he says, okay, you don't want to tell me, I'll tell you. You want to know who the greatest is. And then the Lord gives them the only success paradigm in the New Testament church. He says, you want to know who the greatest is? The greatest among you is the servant of all. The greatest among you is the servant of all. If I could paraphrase the Lord, I would put it this way. I would say, Jesus said that he who serves the most wins. He who serves the most wins. That's how important service is. It is the only measure of success that was given to the disciples. It was their service. Because service is evangelism. And and we want to take advantage of every opportunity that we can to evangelize through service. We also want to create opportunities that will engage the culture in Nice. Because... Evangelism opportunities lead to discipleship opportunities. And that is what we have been called to do. We have been called to make disciples. When we, talk about, when we talk about the Great Commission, the one mission, and, and I, I, I love your your I, I love your slide up there, missions first. The one mission that the Lord left the disciples is this: go into all the world. And make disciples. You know when he says, go into the all all the world, teach all nations, baptize them, teach them everything I've taught you. That passage, that first teach could be translated, go disciple make. As a matter of fact, a lot of modern translations translate that go and make disciples of all nations. That is what the Lord is, was calling them to. That is what he is calling his church to. That is the mission of the church, to go and make disciples. Now, I'll say this. There are a lot of things that we can do for the church. You have a beautiful facility here. This means you have to take care of it. You've got to, you've got to clean this building. You've got to maintain this building. You've got to take care of the grounds. There are a lot of things involved in having a building like this. And and there are a lot of things that you can do for the church that are not the mission of the church. They're good things that have to be done. A lot of good things you can do for the church. They are not the mission of the church. Now, the truth is having a building like this, it contributes to the mission. But, But cleaning this building, a very good thing, not the mission of the church. We have to we we have to keep in mind missions first, or if I could kinda of change it just a little bit, mission first. What are we here for? And it's to make disciples. That is why you and I are here. Um our vision is to make disciples in the Nice metro area. But the truth is without your support, the vision can't will never become a reality it will never become a, re, a a reality you have the opportunity to change a nation of 65 million people through your commitment and um that that takes a lot of different forms uh you can pray for us and we hope that you will you will commit to praying uh for france and for our work there um you can give one-time offering to our projects, like we've mentioned. And uh, if, you, if you'd like to give more than what you're able this morning, uh, we can get with your pastor, and we can, we can actually set up a commitment for the projects. And another way that you can help, and we, we're grateful that you already support us, another thing that you can do is uh, increase your commitment. These are ways to make this vision a reality. But let me say this. Let it only start there. Let it only start there. Let let your missions calling only start with your giving. Cuz making disciples is all of our calling. I'm not a missionary Because someone in St. Louis said I could be a missionary. Now that may be the reason that I'm a missionary to France. That's not what makes me a missionary. The reason I'm a missionary is because God has invested his spirit in me. And if God has invested his spirit in you, that means that you are a missionary. You are on a mission. You are part of the church's one mission to make disciples all over the world. Because missions is not about distance. You don't have to get on an airplane and travel 5,000 some odd miles to be a missionary. You don't have to even go 500. Sometimes being a missionary will simply be crossing a room to connect with another life. Every Christian is a missionary. Maybe you're a missionary to your school. Maybe you're a missionary to the garage in town. Maybe you're a missionary to the factory or the hospital or the plant. You are a missionary to your neighborhood. You are a missionary to your city. We're now the ones that carry the good news of the kingdom of God to this generation. This generation, we are the ones that carry this hope. That's us. We are called to make disciples. Not your pastor, not your pastor's wife, not your not your leadership staff. All of us are called to make disciples. With that thought in mind, I want to share a quote with you. Um, and that said it, you can tell from this picture, Count Nikolaus Zinzendorf, you can understand that he said this a long time before there ever was an apostolic revival. But um, what he said, I think, is still, it still retains its power today. He said this, that country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. That country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. This got me thinking about the decisions that we make in life. You know, there there are few big decisions. There aren't aren't a lot. There's not a long list of big decisions. There are just a few. Uh, Things like your career or where you're going to go to college, what you're going to study in college. That's a big decision. So much about your life is going to be determined by that one decision. What you do as a career, what you do for a living will determine so much about what your life looks like. So many things will align themselves based on that one decision. Another one is your spouse, who you choose to marry. So many aspects of your life determined by that one decision. Another one is where you live. That's the one, that's the one Zinzendorf is talking about. Where you live. Big decision. Um, Even down to what neighborhood you live in. That's a decision that should not be made lightly. Because it determines a lot about your life. For one thing, it determines who you have access to. Who you can shine a light for. Do, Do we believe that we are not our own? That we've actually been purchased by the blood of Christ. If that's that's true, then wouldn't that mean that our decisions should be weighed somewhere with that in mind? Um, Try to imagine that for a moment. Try to imagine a life that was lived that way. Try to imagine a life that says, I I was purchased and I was purchased for a reason. The mission of the church, the reason the church exists is to make disciples. That's going to figure in how I live and how I decide things. For example, someone might say, um, you know what? I'm going to go to college and study medicine so that I can be a missionary to the medical community. Or someone might say, you know, nobody wants to work second shift. Everybody's always trying to come off second shift. But I'll I'll work second shift so I can be a missionary to second shift. Or someone says, you know what? There's that neighborhood in town that everybody tries to avoid. No, nobody wants to live there. But you know what? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to live there so that I can be a missionary to that neighborhood so that I can have an impact in that neighborhood. Can we imagine living that way? Where the mission determines how we decide things. It's included in how we think about our lives. Now, I want to be clear about something. I am saying these things to you as someone that has no pedigree, I do not have a long apostolic lineage. As a matter of fact, I'm what I like to call one and a half generation apostolic because I came in a few months after my mother did. So I'm not saying this to you as, um, I'm not saying this to you as some kind of Pentecostal nobility. I'm just anybody. I'm saying this to you as just anybody. And if God can send this anybody to France. Would you consider who is he sending you to? Who is he sending you to? Would you stand with me? I'd like for us to take a few moments in this service to connect with God, to hear from him. And um, in a few moments, I'm going to turn the service back over to Brother Boyd. And uh, as I'm doing that, I'm going to invite you to come and pray. And, and here's what I'd like to invite you to do. I'm not going to make you do it. Nobody's going to force you. But here's what I'd like for you to do. Um, it's to come down and, and start asking that question. Engage God and say, God, who are you sending me to? Who are you sending me? Maybe as you're praying that, you'll, you'll take up the challenge. Lord, show me someone. Show me a neighbor that's unchurched that I can have over for dinner or that I can ask to go have coffee with me. Show me someone whose life I can uh, begin to share with them. I can begin to make them a part of my life. Is that something we could do this morning? As Brother Boyd comes, could we, could we gather around the front and, and just begin to pray that way? Lord God, I pray for your blessing. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let's come find a place to
1: pray and ask God to just lead us to that right place, that right person. We're just going to magnify the Lord in song. Praise your name.